0: Welcome to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I am back. I had an awesome time down in Florida and then I went out to Vegas for the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Had my wife out there with me. Phenomenal time in Vegas to meet a lot of awesome people. Uh, I'll get into my devastation over the University of Tennessee, losing to my wife's alma mater of the University of Michigan, and give you some NCAA tournament breakdown shortly. Uh, But first, big news uh, out there in the NFL having to do with the quarterback position. Uh, The Colts have now traded for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's Hall of Fame, yes, I really do think he's had a Hall of Fame caliber career, although obviously If they hadn't given up, sorry Falcons fans, that 28-3 lead against the uh, New England Patriots, Matt Ryan's career would look a lot more impressive. But when you consider all of the yards that he's thrown for, all of the success that Matt Ryan has had, um, I think the Colts now have the best quarterback in the AFC South. Now, that might be damning uh, Matt Ryan with faint praise, but the only real competition right now is Ryan Tannehill. Maybe Trevor Lawrence is going to be better with the Jags. Maybe uh, we're going to see Davis Mills continue to play well with the Texans, depending what might end up happening there. But big news with the Atlanta Falcons moving on and Matt Ryan headed to the Colts. I asked you guys, let me go find my Twitter poll and I'll give you the exact results. Um, I asked you guys whether or not you agreed Uh, or who you thought the better quarterback was, Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill, and with over 10,000 votes in the first hour, 78% of you said you thought Matt Ryan was better. I agree with all of you as it pertains uh, to that question. Now, uh, also other issues continue to be resolved. You've now got the uh, New Orleans Saints, who whiffed on Deshaun Watson, and I'm going to get to that that momentarily. you got the New Orleans Saints bringing back Jameis Winston, presumably now as their starter. Uh, we will see what exactly ends up happening there. Uh, but it appears that Jameis Winston is going to be the quarterback going forward there. Uh, and it remains to be seen what will happen to Baker Mayfield, although I tend to think that he's going to end up in the NFC. And I would just say this in general. This is, whether you like Matt Ryan or not, this is yet another fairly accomplished quarterback being traded out of the NFC. And if you're Tom Brady and you're sitting back and you're analyzing the NFC South right now, the uh, Panthers don't really have a quarterback. The Falcons don't really have a quarterback. And the Saints now have Jameis Winston I think you got to make the Bucks a prohibitive favorite here as you break down where that is going to and how that is going to end up. So this is the detail uh, of the musical chair surrounding quarterbacks. Now, what I also said, and I think this is pretty substantial, what I also said was, The Browns are moving on from Baker Mayfield because Deshaun Watson is going to join the Browns. The Browns put out a statement about signing Deshaun Watson. Uh, The grand jury in Harris County, Texas, uh, Houston area, did not determine that there were criminal charges justified uh, against Deshaun Watson. So the grand jury made a decision not to bring criminal charges. There are still 22 women, I believe, who are alleging that they were sexually assaulted by Deshaun Watson. Uh, and the Browns, and I don't know what kind of investigation the Browns did, but the Browns decided not only to decide to trade for Deshaun Watson and give up a lot of draft capital to the Houston Texans. They also made Deshaun Watson the highest-paid paid player in the history of the NFL, and they structured his contract such that even if he is suspended for the first year, even the whole year there wouldn't be very much cost to him because he's not making that much money over the course of that first year. So this is a big deal uh, in terms of how this has all been structured. It also, to me, and I've been arguing this for a long time, it ends the argument, to me, that the NFL is in any way racist against black quarterbacks. Because Deshaun Watson got the largest contract in the history of the NFL while 22 different women are accusing him of sexual assault. And why I think this is significant is the NFL doesn't care about anything except whether or not a owner believes that you make his team more likely to win. And Deshaun Watson is a very talented quarterback. I don't think there's any way to argue against that. He's also a very young quarterback. The Browns have consistently been losers, by and large. And when they got the opportunity to go get Deshaun Watson, the Browns determined one significant factor, that Deshaun Watson's talents exceed his problems. And when your talents exceed your problems, then you will be employed, not just in the NFL, but anywhere. And so uh, we'll see whether this ends up being true. Also makes it incredibly difficult for the NFL uh, to try to figure out exactly what to do. And... Uh, in terms of suspending Deshaun Watson. And let me just reiterate this, by the way. I don't agree with the NFL personal conduct policy. I never have. I don't think the NFL should be in the business, personally, of suspending players for things that they do that have nothing to do with football, all right? If you use performance-enhancing drugs, if you uh, cheat whether or not you buy into Deflategate, if your behavior directly implicates the on-the-field results, or, frankly if you're Calvin Ridley and you go out and you gamble on the sport, I can understand why the NFL feels compelled to act because that directly relates potentially to the product on the field. But if you are charged or sued or in some way are accused of misbehavior that has nothing to do with your time as a member of the team, then I don't understand why in the world that would be, the province of the NFL. And by the way, I've been arguing this since I first started writing when the personal conduct policy became an issue years and years and years ago. So uh, we'll see whether or not there ends up being significant pressure brought to bear uh, over this issue with Deshaun Watson joining the Browns and what the long-term impact is going to be in terms of suspensions or whether Deshaun Watson will be able to play this year for the Browns. Solid roster there in Cleveland and Jimmy Haslam has spent big money to try to figure out whether Deshaun Watson is the answer to what ails the Browns historically. So we'll see what happens. But again, to me, if you are getting the largest contract in the history of the NFL with 22 different women right now, accusing you of sexual assault, then the message that the NFL is sending is pretty clear. All we care about is your talent. Nothing else matters, for better or worse. And I've been arguing this for a long time. The NFL is a meritocracy, and nothing but your production matters. That's why I said, look, people get mad at me. But I said, hey, if Colin Kaepernick, everybody wants to talk about Colin Kaepernick. Maybe he's going to get back in the league. I don't know. If Colin Kaepernick had Deshaun Watson's talents... Nobody would have cared if, if, if he took a knee, right? The reason why Colin Kaepernick is not in the league is not because he took a knee during the National Anthem. It's because he took a knee during the National Anthem and wasn't talented enough to take a knee during the National Anthem. Uh, Deshaun Watson has shown us that if you are talented enough, what you do doesn't really matter very much at all as long as you make it more likely that a team is going to win. And that's the bet that the Browns are making. And I'll just point this out too. Fans of individual teams will forgive anything. There's a statue, might I remind you, to Ray Lewis outside of the Brown, uh, of the Ravens stadium. Ray Lewis was charged with double murder. Uh, statue to him. Ray Rice, also with the Ravens, before the video came out of him knocking out his fiance. People were showing up at Ravens practices wearing Ray Rice jerseys. Individual fans, if players make their teams more likely to win, are totally amoral. Has been the case since time immemorial. And I imagine if Deshaun Watson helps the Browns win, nobody's going to care about him. Remember, Kobe, two jerseys retired, and Kobe won an Oscar at the Me Too Oscars Even though he was accused of rape, nobody cared because Kobe Bryant was really good at basketball. We'll see whether the same thing holds true for Deshaun Watson. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK systems sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Uh, Did you see this story? I can't believe it's not a bigger topic. ESPN for a long time has been left-wing banana land crazy. But during their coverage over the weekend, of the NCAA women's tournament. They broke into coverage, by the way, they broke into coverage during the South Carolina Howard opening round game. It was 44 to 4 at the half. The South Carolina women under Dawn Staley, 44 to 4, they were destroying the Howard women's basketball program. 44 to 4. They stopped programming on ESPN to talk about the don't say gay bill, which is not actually in the bill at all. This is a totally manufactured story. But what's significant about this is they had a moment of silence on ESPN during a sporting event for something that had absolutely nothing to do with sports at all. This is the natural evolution of ESPN's left-wing sports programming. Initially, they would cover sports and politics colliding. But here there was no collision. There's no impact of this Florida bill because it only pertains to kindergarten, first, second, and third grader instruction on sex and bans it. Now I've got kids, three of them, and I feel quite confident saying kindergarten, first, second, or third graders, it matters not at all what is being said Uh, relating to sex because the answer should be no sexual instruction to kindergarten, first, second, and third graders. In public or private school, they're too young to need to have any discussion like that at all. That's what this bill does. It just makes sure that that doesn't occur. And yet ESPN broke into their programming and said that they were going to have a moment of silence for this. This is direct politics directly occurring on ESPN's programming. And this is significant because ESPN declined all comments about it. But ESPN tried to argue for a long time, oh, Clay Travis is not telling the truth. There's no way that this is a big story. The reality was ESPN is now a left-wing political network and they directly interject straight politics Not even politics mixed with sports. Straight politics now. And it's straight politics that doesn't even understand the most basic essence of what exactly is going on. It's a huge swing and a miss. Speaking of a huge swing and a miss. Penn transgender swimmer Leah Thomas. Let me repeat what's happened here. Uh, University of Pennsylvania had a male swimmer named William Thomas that was on the U Penn men's team. And then this guy decided that he wanted to become a woman. And so he not only became a woman, he then changed his name to Leah and joined the Penn women's swimming team. Won the 500 meter on Thursday night, 500 yard, whatever it is, the 500 uh, in swimming to become the greatest women's swimmer this year, NCAA champion, first place. Uh, and then ended up competing at a high level in the rest of the competitions. And ESPN is covering the Don't Say Gay bill. They didn't even cover hardly the Leah Thomas story in any way. Didn't even bother to cover it because it is a direct threat to women's athletics, but it's a direct threat to women's athletics that doesn't allow their pyramid of victimization to be fully established. Let me explain what I mean. In order to pick a side here, and let me be clear and transparent as I can be, I do not believe that biological men who decide to identify as women should be able to compete in women's sports. Shouldn't happen, okay? I disagree with that. I am picking a side, as everyone should have to pick a side. I am standing on the side of women's athletes, on the side of Title IX, on the idea that women and men should compete separately because men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. And as you see in this situation, a mediocre to bad men's college swimmer who decides to become a woman can become the best women's swimmer in all of women's athletics in college. Could also happen, I believe, at a pro level. And this threatens the very existence of women's sports. Because, as one of the women swimmers told OutKick, right now it's just one swimmer who is male competing as a woman. At some point, it could become many male swimmers competing as women. Even then, how in the world are you going to end up in a competition with men competing against women when they are bigger, stronger, and faster. And By the way, trying to create evenness of competition is the very foundation of athletics. Kids of the same age compete against each other. I coach little league kids. The reason why we do that is we know that if a nine-year-old got to play with five-year-olds, he would be really good compared to the rest of the five-year-olds. If a 16-year-old got to play in the Little League World Series, That 16-year-old would be a lot better than the 12-year-olds. We know what happens in these situations. Men are better than women. Same thing, by the way, even inside of sports, we have weight classes. Because if you allow a heavyweight to box against the flyweight, the heavyweight might well kill the flyweight because the heavyweight is bigger, stronger, and maybe, maybe sometimes even faster. But the grand scheme here of competition is that like competes against like. Men against men, kids against kids, and weight classes against weight classes. Even in high school athletics, we allow big schools to compete against big schools and small schools to compete against small schools. And all of this is fundamentally broken as soon as you create a situation where a woman is competing against a man. It represents the end of women's athletics. ESPN won't cover it. CBS won't cover it. NBC won't cover it. Pretty much the only place that's covering it is OutKick. And thank God that we exist because if we didn't, this story would be almost non-existent. Uh, Speaking of non-existent, right now the Babylon Bee's Twitter account is non-existent. Babylon Bee, wildly hysterical, really funny. Seth Dillon... Uh, runs the Babylon Bee. He was just on the Clay and Buck show with us. If you guys didn't hear it, I would encourage you to go check it out. Uh, really interesting discussion. So they criticized USA Today for naming a, uh, a woman who was born a man and now works in the Biden administration, the man of the year. And so I got to tell you, makes a lot of sense to me. And I always ask this question. Remember when Rachel Dole all? who was a white woman living in the Pacific Northwest, I believe Washington State. Remember when it came out that she was actually a white woman pretending to be black? She got totally destroyed. Her life basically ceased to exist in terms of being considered a serious person. And everybody argued that it was wildly offensive that this white woman would decide to identify as a black woman. Well, wait a minute. If changing your race is racist, why isn't changing your sex sexist? Because I got to be honest with you, most people, I think, watching or listening to this right now, would agree with the proposition that you have more in common with someone of the same sex than you do with someone of the same race. In other words, If you go from being Asian to Hispanic, but you're still a man, that's less substantial of a change than going from being a man to being a woman. I think almost everybody would agree with that. Well, why is it not in any way questioned when someone changes their gender, but when someone changes their race, it's unacceptable? It's racist to change your race according to left-wing values, but it's not sexist to change your sex. I would love for someone to explain how that can be possible given that much of race is a cultural construct whereas biology clearly defines whether you're a man and a woman. Unless you're one of those people who happens to have sex organs of both, that's a relatively uncommon biological reality. So it's a really interesting question uh, about what's going on with this discussion in general. What's not an interesting discussion is the fact that Babylon B Bee has been locked for ridiculing a man being named Woman of the Year. And Twitter is demanding that they take down that tweet because they say it violates their terms. Babylon B is saying they will not do it. We will see exactly how this ends up shaking out before all is said and done. But I encourage you to go listen uh, to Seth Dillon on the program. Today's Clay and Buck final hour, he was fantastic. Um, And speaking of a guest that was fantastic, Miranda Devine was also on in the final hour talking about Hunter Biden's laptop as the New York Times has finally decided, hey, you know what? We're going to acknowledge that that laptop is real and that everything on it is real. Buck and I got into a discussion. I think Hunter Biden is going to be indicted over some of the contents on that laptop. I think he's going to be charged with one or more felonies before all is said and done. There's a grand jury investigating this case right now. We'll have to see what ends up happening. Uh, But uh, all of those people out there who tried to tell you that this was Russian disinformation surrounding the Hunter Biden laptop, they lied to you. It was and is 100% real. And everyone out there at CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, everybody who carried the water for the Biden administration to argue that this laptop was not real. 60 Minutes, if you saw the Leslie Stahl interview with Donald Trump, where he's saying that the laptop is real and that the contents aren't real. And some people say, why does it matter? Because there's clear evidence on there that Joe Biden was involved in selling access to Ukrainian and Chinese business people through his office using Hunter to funnel money to the family. It's a big deal. Basically, the Bidens did, based on what's on this laptop, everything that the media told you the Trumps were going to do uh, during the entirety of the Trump administration. Big news, positive before I go to NCAA breakdown. Uh, Nico Amalavella, and I may have mispronounced his last name. I just am going to go with Nico in the short term. A five-star quarterback from Long Beach, California, has signed uh, or committed. He is not officially signed. He's a midterm enrollee, so he'll sign uh, later in the fall. But Nico has committed five-star quarterback to the University of Tennessee. Biggest quarterback recruit for the University of Senate Tennessee in terms of ratings since Peyton Manning all the way back in 1994. This is a massive addition to Josh Heupel, puts Tennessee well on track to ending up with a top 10 recruiting class. I am told that a bunch more big-time recruits are going to be announcing for the University of Tennessee in the near future. Welcome to the Volunteer State, Nico. Excited to have you because Lord knows after watching that Tennessee-Michigan game over the weekend, Tennessee fans need some solace. So, big picture story. Big 10... And the SEC and the NCAA tournament have totally collapsed. Uh, The uh, SEC is down only to Arkansas. The Big Ten only has two schools left, I believe I'm correct in this, Purdue and Michigan. Everybody else has lost. Uh, The Big Ten and the SEC had 15, I believe I'm correct, 15 combined teams. Only three have made it to the Sweet 16. Many of those were protected seeds. Tennessee's loss to Michigan is brutal, okay? Okay. No other way to define it. Uh, I said immediately after that game, death, taxes, and Rick Barnes' team's collapsing in March. Some people are upset. They say, oh, Rick Barnes didn't shoot two for 18 from three. That's correct. But if Tennessee had shot 10 for 18 from three, Rick Barnes wouldn't have shot 10 for 18 either. Over time, you are what your record says you are. And in the last uh, 15 day, 15 NCAA tournament games, Rick Barnes is two. 12 and 2. All right? Uh, 2 12 and 1. Sorry. 2 12 and 1 against the spread. That ain't good. He's been to one sweet 16 in his last 10 trips to the NCAA tournament. Tennessee was and is a much better team than Michigan. Credit to Michigan, particularly Hunter Dickinson for the way that he played. But Michigan had no business beating Tennessee. Tennessee lost to Villanova. Uh, In the Sweet 16, I would acknowledge, you know, is a really good team. Michigan wasn't a really good team. Tennessee choked away the game against Michigan. They were up six with under eight minutes to play, and they gave up that uh, lead and tanked down the stretch. Lots of open missed shots. No disputing that for me, but at some point in time, you are what your record is. Rick Barnes, good regular season coach, can't win postseason. And at some point you have to acknowledge what's going on there. Uh, My final four uh, that I picked, I've got my bracket here. I'll hold it up. I don't know if you guys can see that at all or not. This is my official bracket. I've still got three of my four final four teams. I bought into the hype, never going to do it again. I watched Tennessee play. I think Tennessee had final four talent. The way they were playing, I think they had a very strong chance and then they blew it against Michigan. Uh, But I've got Gonzaga, Purdue, Kansas, and Tennessee as my final four. Three of my final four are still alive. I had Gonzaga playing against Tennessee in the national championship game. That obviously is not going to happen, but that was and is my bracket challenge. Gonzaga, Purdue, Tennessee, and Kansas, three of the four at least, are still alive. I'm never buying into a Rick Barnes team in March again. I'll watch the games. But at some point, you are what your record says you are. Rick Barnes is 67. Uh, You would think at some point in time, uh, there would have been good luck to go along with the bad luck. Congrats to Michigan on the win. Uh, I appreciate all of you for being OutKick fans. I'll be on a couple of more shows still to come for today. Encourage you to go download the Clay and Buck show. Make sure you don't miss a moment of that. I will be on uh, Fox Bet Live at 5 Eastern, 4 Central, 3 Mountain, 2 Pacific talking about the NCAA tournament in particular. And then I'll be on Sean Hannity tonight talking about the Hunter Biden laptop controversy. Love all of you. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.